Okay. Uh, good morning, everybody. It's good to be here and see all of you. And I was going to say the, the ideas that I'm going to share today are kind of fond to me because I love to garden. But uh, I heard some of these ideas at the Ad Agra Conference back in January at Glen Rose, and that's the Adventist Agriculture Association. And they met in Glen Rose. There were probably six, eight hundred people there from around the country, more so in this part of the country, to share about agriculture and gardening. A lot of these people, some of them anyway, are market gardeners. They make their living from gardening. And then most of us are just backyard gardeners that enjoy it. And uh, then there were a lot of homeschoolers, and they also had a lot of great programs for kids so that the parents could go and, and listen to what they needed to listen to. But it was wonderful, and the morning speaker went over some of these thoughts that I'm going to share with you today. And uh, anyway, let's pray for just a second. Dear Heavenly Father, we just want to say thank you, and I just pray that you will bless and help us to understand these ideas from the garden that you have given us. We want to say thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. See if all of our our technology will work today. Okay, our scripture today is for as the earth brings forth its bud and as the garden causes the things that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. Isaiah 61, 11. You know, when Jesus had his ministry and he began, he quoted Uh, the first verses of Isaiah 61. That was sort of his mission statement. And the last verse of that good news of salvation chapter is verse 11, which I just read. So if those first verses were the beginning of his ministry, it just might be that this last one will help us at the end of his ministry before he returns. Are you moving that, Charles? Please don't. (laughs) Okay, um, and there is, you know, the lessons that they were learning in the garden, that was their livelihood. It wasn't a garden, it was a farm. But there is a relationship between plants growing and God's ways of evangelism, and we're going to see that today. Now, God placed Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. It was a beautiful, I mean, I can just imagine how magnificent that garden was. He wanted them to think of him and everything that they saw. You know, that's a nice garden, and I'd be thrilled if my yard looked like that. But it's nothing compared to what it was in the beginning. Okay, in gardening, you've got five steps, or if you might say five activities, that you need to go through before you have something to show or something to eat. Number one is soil preparation. Number two is planting the seed or the transplant. Three is cultivation. Four is the harvest. And the fifth is preserving the harvest. And it's the same spiritually. And we're going to go through these five steps today, and we're going to compare them to the spiritual realm. Okay, first of all, you have soil preparation. You've got to decide where you're going to garden and decide on your garden spot. Your area needs to get six to eight hours of full sunshine daily or it's not going to grow. You need to be near a source of water. You preferably need to be on fairly flat ground, 
a little slope is okay. And actually, when we were over in Cleburne and I was gardening in our backyard over there, we had a little slope, and then it went down to a little pond. And I never thought about that slope as being good, but a lot of people would tell me after some big rains, man, my garden flooded, it all died. And I'm like, what? You know, but I was on a slope, so mine drained. Now, however, if you're on a steep slope, which you're not going to be around here, but if you lived up in the mountains, you could be on a steep slope, and if that is the case, you're probably going to have to terrace it, and that is a lot of work. It can be done, and it's beautiful, but it's work. Uh, You also want your garden not too far from your house, preferably, because you want easy access and you want to keep an eye on it. You need to check, too, to see if it needs fencing and to keep critters and deer out. And also, you don't want to to plant too close to big trees because those trees will send their roots out. They're going, ah, fertilizer, ah, water, and they'll eat it up and your plants won't get it. The next thing you need to do is take a soil sample and send it off for testing. And it's important to read and study your test results when you get it back and determine the nutrients that your soil needs. Because just because your cousin on the other side of the county says this is what we need, your soil can be totally different. Soils are different all over. But generally in this area, we have sandy soil. Okay, then you need to prepare the area. You need to remove all the grass and the weeds. You need to dig them out. It's lots of work, but it can, it's definitely very effective. Another way to do it that's easier is solarize it. You wet the whole area, get it wet really good and deep with a hose. You place a tarp over it, a plastic one, and you put rocks or things around the edges so it won't blow off, and you wait a few months. And that will take care of not only the plants and the grass and the weeds, it'll take care of the weed seeds in the top couple inches of the soil, which is really nice. Then you want to purchase and apply the amendments, whether it's organic matter like compost, the minerals, the nutrients, fertilizers that were recommended in that soil test. And you want to put those in the top six to eight inches of your soil and work it in. Okay, then... There are different ways to work up your soil. You can double dig it, or you can use a big broad fork, that big fork right there. You press it down into the soil, and you pull back on those handles, and it gets oxygen down into the soil. Or you can use more mechanical methods. Uh, That certainly speeds up the process, you know, like a tiller or a tractor with a cultivator on it. Now, but soil prep cannot be skipped. Because the, so, the seeds and the transplants need a good seed bed. They need a nourishing home to begin their lives. Now, that home for them could be 100 acres or more in a large acreage field. It could just be a nice backyard garden. It could be a raised bed. It could be a large wicking barrel um, or a five-gallon bucket. Or it could be anything you want to grow in. Now, I have a little story for you. Uh, A lady named Robin Blood, she recently spoke to our garden group over in Cleburne at the health food store, and she lives in Godley, Texas. And as you can tell, Godley, Texas doesn't look anything like East Texas. Not much grows around there. Godley is just a little bit north of Cleburne. And to me, it's really bleak out there. I don't care for it. But it'll grow a few little cedar trees, 
and I guess they got a couple others on that piece of property, but most of all, there's not much there. Uh, but there is hope, because this girl wanted to start a flower farm. So she did her due diligence and did her soil test, and that thing came back and said, your soil is totally lacking in nutrients. Do not grow in this soil. I've never heard a soil test like that before. I mean, that was just really pitiful. Uh, Bad, bad. But she didn't give up. She found out that composted rabbit manure was really good in the things that she was lacking, and she got with a lady and got all the rabbit manure that that her rabbits had, and uh, it has changed everything. Her farm is beautiful. She has a very profitable uh, flower farm there. She farms for a living. She has weddings there. She sells flowers and arrangements, and so if there's hope in godly Texas, there's hope for everybody to garden. But the big, most important question that we can ask is, how do we help prepare the soil of the heart? If there's hope for every soil, like in godly Texas, there is hope for every person too. At least the opportunity is there. Because we know John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And um, whosoever, I've always loved that word. I think it's grand. And it was coined by William Tyndale in the 1500s, and he's the one that translated the Bible into English. And these are, this is extra today. I'm not charging you for this. Um, He came up with quite a number of words and phrases that are in the Bible and that we use in English, and I just wanted to share a few with you. The land of the living, the parting of ways, the apple of my eye, fight the good fight, the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak, and our word atonement, it's at one mint is how it began, and he did that. And some other terms he came up with that weren't in the English language before him. Scapegoat. Showbread, rose-colored, eye service, intercession, godly, ungodly, Godspeed, holy place, mercy seat, two-edged, stumbling block, and broken-hearted. Okay, but for our personal heart soil, we need to let his sunshine, S-O-N, sunshine in. We need to read our Bible, and we need to pray daily. And, you know, the Bible is like that soil test. It's going to show our faults, our sins, and it's also going to show what we need to grow spiritually because we do want to grow, grow, grow. Now, we've got to be willing to let Jesus forgive our sins and pull them out completely by the roots. And if you're wondering what those things are on the front-end loader on our little tractor, those are large roots of a nasty or nasty thorn vines. So if you have thorn vines growing up around your trees, um, they don't come out easily. And if you want those thorn vines to be gone, you've got to dig down and get the roots out. And it's the same way with sin. If we don't get it out all the way, it's coming back. But how can we do our part to help prepare others' heart soil so that they'll be interested in Bible studies evangelism, and the three angels' messages. And I think this is where 
maybe we've never seen it too well displayed before us, so we didn't grow up with it, or I think it's where we fall short. At least I know I do. But we need to, um, well, as as Seventh-day Adventists, I think that generally our circle of friendship is here in the church, most of us. Uh, But we've got to reach out to others. We need to purposely make new friends and then build friendship and trust. We need to be kind, but we need to be intentionally social and reaching out to others. And minister to needs. You know, ask if you can pray for a practical need. Keep up with people's lives. Show you care. Be helpful. You know, if you go to a place of business often, get to know the people there. You know, ask about them. You know, somebody looks a little sad. Hey, you know, can I pray for you today? Is there something going on? You know, whatever. Or if you're, even if you're just in a restaurant, the waiter or the waitress say, hey, we're going to pray in a minute. You know, is there anything we could pray for you for? And, you know, you'd be surprised. I've heard a Bible study starting that way. But planting the seed is the second activity, and that's really important. If you don't put that seed in the ground, it's 100% sure it's not going to grow. <laughs> you got to put it in the ground, and we have to plant seeds with other folks too. Now, if you do put it in the ground, at least you have a chance. That's some little squash plants that I planted, and these are some pepper transplants in one of my wicking barrels. Now, I'm going to say it's better to risk failure because of a poor approach. And we'll blow it sometimes with talking with people, but you're going to guarantee failure if you make no approach at all. Does that make sense? Okay. You know, those apple blossom amaryllis flowers bloom every spring right outside the door in the church garden right out here. You know, we could have said, that's a poor place to plant flowers. They're not going to get much attention. They're not going to get watered often enough. But no, Lynn Barrett said, those are pretty flowers. I'm going to plant them. And you know what? And now they're absolutely gorgeous. So take a chance. Now, most seeds, when they go in the ground, they need to be covered with soil and then water. And then it sun shines on them and the heat and it brings them up. That's what they need to sprout. But not all of them. Some plants like geraniums, impatiens, lettuce, petunias, poppies, and snapdragons, and that's poppies and snapdragons right there, they usually just drop their seeds. Um, they need light. And so wherever those seeds land, they grow. And think about this one. I always thought this was a little unusual. Impatience, drop their seeds. They need the light to sprout, but they like to grow in the shade. Kind of strange. But I think most of us people need a little bit of darkness, trials, troubles, sickness, whatever, before we begin to look up and see the light, you know, and come to Jesus. And just like we share garden produce with a friend or someone who can use it, we need to go there, go there for and make disciples of all nations. Share the word, too. You've got to get your shoes on and get out. And we need to tell what, 
What great things God has done for you. Luke 8, 39. We need to share. We need to share what God has done for us. It could be a personal testimony. It could be an answer to prayer. It could be a piece of literature. It could be a piece of media, a video, a DVD or something. And sharing is easier for some people than others. I'm more of an introverted person. I am not an extrovert, so it's hard for me. But we've got to begin. We've got to do something. And the more you do, they say, the easier it gets. Okay, in Ecclesiastes 11, it's helpful here. It says, verse 1, Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. And verse 6 says, In the morning sow your seed, and in the evening do not withhold your hand, for if you for you do not know which will prosper, either this or that, or whether both alike will be good. So we need to share everywhere we can. Now we don't know where the Holy Spirit is working and whose lives he's working in. Just like I grow lots of different kinds of plants. They're all different, but they're all good. And so we should be sharing with lots of different people. Okay, our third activity is cultivating. That includes any practice that helps that plant grow and produce. It could include weeding, watering, mulching, pruning, like in fruit trees, staking a plant, caging a tomato, training a grape to a line, keeping beans or peas on their fencing, and keeping the bad bugs out, and many more. And in gardening, the cultivating period to nurture those plants to harvest maturity takes the longest of any of the other gardening periods. Y'all will like this one. Weeding. You're familiar with that? I like the little guy up there on the top left. He just seems to be okay. This is good. Everybody else is a little bit frustrated which is generally what most people are with weeding, because by the time you get around to the weeding stage, it's hot, you get sweaty, it's not particularly fun, but I have a good alternative for that. Weeding takes too much time, but if you are proactive, you can save yourself a lot of time. Mulch. Mulching is very helpful. Several inches, and I mean several, it can be this much, but this this really doesn't cut it. Several inches of wood chips, leaves, or pine straw, anything like that, helps out. Because if you put it on there right after your plants get started, you don't have any weeds up yet, so fewer weeds are going to grow, and the ones that do, you can pull out easily. It keeps the ground cooler. You have less watering required. It looks neat, and the plant's happy and grows better. And those are the base of some of my blackberry bushes there, and they just look nice with the mulch on it. There's some blackberries. And this little bed over here was um, pepper plants, I believe. And I just thought, it just looks good when it looks like that without all those weeds. And your Bible study interests, though, should be covered with prayer, just like we cover the ground around the plants with mulch. And Ephesians 3.17 says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and be rooted and grounded in love. We want the the grounding in love and the roots to grow deep in people that are studying. Okay, watering. 
That little lady up on the top looks like she's about 100 years ago. It looks like the 1920s. And she's got her little water pot there. And I was going to say, water pots don't do a whole lot of good on a big garden. They're just not enough. If you've got a little pot of something, they might work. But the little girl on the top right with the hose, that's the plan. And the fella down below, he really thinks he's watering all his weeds. But anyway... They need watering, and they need it weekly, and some of them more often than that, if you have a little pot they're in. Okay, but rain is the best water of all, and an electrical storm provides wonderful fertilizer, and that's why all of us that garden or that have animals or anything, that's why we pray for it. Right, Bobby? <laughs> okay, and, and this, I knew this was the truth, but I found out why in this. The energy that's produced by lightning splits the nitrogen gas that's in the air, it's up in the atmosphere, and allowing it, it allows it to react with oxygen, which forms nitrates. And the nitrates are dissolved in the rain, and they come down, and then the surface water, and then they get in the soil where the plants absorb them. They just got nitrogen. So if you'll notice, after any big storm, the beautiful green that just coming out at you, spring green, is there. And that's because they just got fertilized. That's God's fertilizer. Okay, John 4, 14. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. We want everyone to have that water because it's living water. It's there for everyone. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And we also want to pray for God to water our Bible study interests. Now, we also need to enlist others to help with watering or whatever. You want to make sure you enjoy the process and expose a new generation to gardening and evangelism. And you also want to be ready for new experiences along the way. I've had horses and cows and possums eat my gardening, my garden plants before. And if you, I don't know if you can see that other one up top. It's a little tree frog. He's been in one of the pipes that I water in. Okay, now, spiritual cultivation takes time too. Bible studies take some time. Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, he only had one Bible study, but it was, it was really great. Um, Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture where the Ethiopian eunuch was reading, and he preached the gospel of Jesus to him. But, you know, we have to ask if somebody would like to take a Bible study. Often they will. You know, they can say, no, you haven't lost anything. But the Ethiopian was ripe for study. The Holy Spirit was working with him. And I believe Philip's study with this man was the beginning of a group of Ethiopian Christians who lived and worshipped on the Sabbath for a thousand or more years before being destroyed by the Roman church. There was a large group there, and, and history will, bears that out. Okay, Bible studies can be one-on-one, -on -one or they can be in a group. You know, but it's the instruction that many people need. Line on line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. And it can take a few weeks or what months, but it's worth it. 
Now, gardening activities aren't always easy. You might have a flood, like over there. It might be cold and windy. I remember that day I was trying to water those little things, and it was so cold. Oof, it was not fun. It can be hot, or it can be cold. You all remember our snowmageddon in February of 21 when it was below zero? I think my temp- thermometer there says minus five. Our greenhouse collapsed in the middle because of all the snow and ice on it, and the pond froze. And I have to admit, that's the only time I walked on water. And one spring, we had a windstorm, 70-mile-an-hour straight-line wind, and I had just gotten that greenhouse two or three months before, picked that rascal up and wrapped it around a tree out in the front yard by the driveway. And that is sad Beverly right there. I was not a happy camper. But God is good, always. Insurance paid to replace that greenhouse. I got a bigger, better one to replace it with, so that was really nice. But... You know, if you just wait a few days, everything is beautiful. You know, it gets pretty. When I think about it, God uses flowers to cheer us up. They are so nice. I grow a lot of flowers in my garden, too, because they make me happy. And they also bring in the pollinators. They bring in the pollinators, and they'll pollinate your vegetables, too. And, you know, God could have made everything black and white. But he wanted us to be happy. So he made all these colors. He want, and he uses us to cheer up other folks. We need to remind others that in the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. Now moving on to our next activity is harvest. Crops do not harvest themselves. We do. You've got to pick them off the tree or the plant, whatever it is. They are not going to get in your bowl and on your plate unless you put them there. Peaches and persimmons don't just appear in your kitchen. If you want to eat them, you've got to pick them. Peppers need a picker, and lettuce leaves cannot be left alone. Cauliflower needs to be pulled, and the the plant, I mean, in the cauliflower cut, and the snake beans need to be snipped from the vine. Every crop needs a harvester. And just as we get out and harvest in the same manner, every Bible study interest needs to be asked for a decision. Do you want to follow Jesus or something similar? Some people make that decision on their own. Others of us need a little bit of help. But when you look on your cabinet at the food you've picked and you sit at the table and you see what's there to eat, it's all worth it. The harvest is worth the effort. Think about this. When we sit at that great table in heaven, at the marriage supper of the Lamb, it isn't going to matter what we went through down here. It's going to be worth the effort. You know, any sacrifice, any suffering, any trauma, any persecution, even death, it's not going to matter once we're there at that supper. And that's the one meal you better be at. Now, I wanted to share this because we're going to sing in a little bit 
that song about the sheaves of wheat. A sheaf of wheat, I thought that was so pretty, those pretty grains, is a bunch of stalks of grain tied together after being cut. And the sheaves are then piled up together to keep the grain dry and keep it up off the ground. Now, Psalm 126, 5 and 6 says, Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who goes forth and weeps, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Remember the song, bringing in the sheaves. This is the harvest, the bringing in the sheaves. The farming societies all knew about this. Sowing and cultivating are not easy. But we've got what it says here. We got precious seed. That's God's truth. And if we share that seed, it will result in a wonderful crop. And there will be great rejoicing. Now, to sow seed spiritually, we must share Bible truth with others. You know, God raised up the Seventh-day Adventist church. Our purpose for us is to live a godly life and share the three angels' messages with the world before Jesus comes. The question is, will we take part? Will we do this? Will we share? Will we give the three angels' messages? The final step in gardening is to preserve. After the harvest, we've got to preserve all that good food. You know, you can eat some, but only so much. So a lot of us freeze our food. Freezing's pretty quick, pretty easy, as long as you have electricity. Canning is a bit more complicated, but it's good. It lasts a long time. In the last few years, I've been dehydrating some of my things. It's easy. I like to dehydrate my herbs and my peppers. Those are peppers down there, red peppers, green peppers, kind of yellowy and orange peppers. And my basil. Another way you can uh, preserve is to salt ferment things. Now, sweet potatoes, they can be stored just like they are after you cure them for a couple of weeks. And the next picture, here we go, winter squash. You can leave it as is and use it when it's needed. Now, some of these on the bottom are gourds, and you don't eat them, but part of it's winter squash. We need to preserve new members through discipleship training. And all of us need attention, help, and encouragement at one time or another. That could be a phone call, a text, a card, a book, a hug, any kind of encouragement. It can mean getting together for a meal. A Bible study, Friday or Saturday evening Vespers. Just let's know others know you love them and you care about their walk with Jesus. Because new members and old ones, we, we all need to be discipled and study. No one has all the answers, but we do know that God does and he will guide us. But we all need to start using his plan and start implementing his ideas. If we want to grow, we have to prepare, like grow a garden. You have to prepare the soil, 
plant the seeds, cultivate what grows, and then harvest it, and then preserve the harvest. That's God's gardening plan, and it's also God's evangelism plan. And if we want success, we need to do it his way. And you know, this whole, uh, this whole thing started back in the garden, the Garden of Eden. And I believe we're going to be in a garden after Jesus comes too. Because Isaiah says that in the new earth we shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. And it says, they shall not hurt nor destroy and all my holy mountain, says the Lord. So, no weeds, no bad bugs, no hot and sweaty, no freezing cold, just blessings. And all the people said, Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this Sabbath, and we thank you for your love for us. And help us to remember when we go out these doors, we're entering the mission field, and we just ask for your help in sowing the seed. And we thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.